Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Ushers, you may take the offering, and it's my distinct honor and privilege to introduce our speaker for tonight, our lead pastor, Joe Source. How many have missed Wednesday nights? Yes. 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 Just a few. The rest of you was too cold outside. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I've kind of got used to not being here. I've been having a hard time, but I'm glad we're here. You ready to get into the word? Yes. We are at a time. In, uh, in, in season in, in the world when the church needs to operate in prayer more now than ever. And uh, many people find themselves not really sure of the power that we have available to us to change things here and here. Jesus emphasized prayer to the point of giving us detailed instruction. Um, if you have your Bible, if you have your phone app, go to Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse 5, I'm going to start in verse 5 and put this in context. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, so in the context of things here, when we pray and we receive instruction or we, we see something change, that's considered in the kingdom of God as a reward for doing the work of prayer. Prayer is work. Let's be honest with each other. Prayer is work. Verse 7, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. How many of you sometimes catch yourself saying the same thing every time you go to pray? Don't, don't show your hands. Don't show your hands. <laughs> we, we, we find, especially, especially those of us that are raised in, uh, in our, our spiritual life is raised in a more of a word church where we emphasize the word of God. We're charismatics. We have our favorite pet scriptures. And it seems like we go every time. It's almost like you want to start out and after a while go, God, you, you know what I was going to say, so let's get beyond that. And let's just, let's just get to business here. So let's be careful that we don't just find our, a one little set of scriptures that we pray all the time. Like if we're having financial situations, we're always going to go to that scripture in Philippians. And uh, for my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, it's true, right? Yeah. But, but there's a principle in the word of God. Uh, that goes all the way, way back into the beginning in the Old Testament, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every fact be established. So we should be, we should be, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but we should be gathering at least two or three scriptures, two or three promises, so that we present ourselves when we come before the Father, um, 
fully convinced, fully persuaded that God has already said what he's going to do about that situation. The worst thing we ever want to do in prayer, and again, forgive me, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll get back on track here. The worst thing we ever want to do in prayer is to go before the Father and say, well, Lord, if it's your will, okay? And now there's going to be times, but they're going to be very few because almost every situation that you and I are going to face in life, you'll be able to find a promise and the word for it. Usually the times when we have to re revert to or fall back on that, Lord, if it's your will, is more in a specific personal area. Like let's say if uh, you, you, have, you have a couple of different job opportunities and you really don't know which one to take. That's when you say, Father, if it's your will, show me. Give me a knowing on the inside. Or if, let's say you have, to, you have to sell your house and move somewhere. Maybe because it's related to a job transfer or something like that. Or maybe you need to be moving closer to family members to be able to care for them or something like that. And so you really don't know what area you go to. You know, it's, you're not going to be able to be to say, listen, go to 167 Sycamore Street in such and such a place, and you're going to find that in the Bible. That's where your house is. That's not going to happen. So in those cases, in those cases, we pray, Father, whatever your will is, lead us and guide us. And then you can fall on Proverbs chapter 3. See, because if you'll acknowledge him in your search for your job, if you'll acknowledge him in your search for a home, for a car, for whatever, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3 that if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, that he'll direct our path. Don't you love when God directs your path? Don't you, don't, you, don't you love when you stumble? It seems like you stumbled upon God's desire and God's plan and God's will for your life when he directs you in a specific way. So let me continue to read here because I really got off there for a second, but I think somebody needed to hear that. So when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many prayers, their many words. Have you ever sat down at dinner with somebody and um, you asked them to pray or, it's, or you're at their house and going to pray for dinner and they start and they start in South America <laughs> and they switch over to North America and they go across the Bering Sea and they hit Russia and then they're heading into Eastern Europe and then it's North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, they end up in South Africa and then maybe they might stop off in the Canary Islands. Meantime, the food is getting ice cold. And Lord, we pray for Aunt Mary's cat. And you see, what, what, we're, what we try to do when we do stuff like that is impress each other with our much knowledge or much willingness to pray. And that's basically what he's talking about here. When you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of the many words. God's not impressed with many words. God is impressed with faith. Yes. Amen. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And, and let's think about that for a moment. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So then, why ask? Because he wants us to come to him with the knowledge of the word. Because the knowledge of the word creates faith in our hearts. So rather than come to him, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of Christians pray this way in the form of begging. Do you think that a loving father wants you to come and beg him to do something that he already knows you need? That's sick. That's kind of weird. 
If, if a father wants somebody to come, no, 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 you know, I'll get you a hamburger, but you got to beg. I want you to start groveling on your feet from the front door till you get to the kitchen, and then maybe I'll give you a hamburger. A person like that deserves to have their children taken away from them. So understand what, what the context is here. He knows what we need, but he wants us to come to him in faith. And the only way you're going to come to him in faith is if you know what he's already said he's going to do about that specific challenge that you're facing. Yes or no? Okay, because now we're coming to him in faith. We're not begging. We're not coming like, I don't know, I hope you will. That doesn't honor God. It doesn't glorify God. Why? Because his entire relationship with us is based on the written word. I don't know that you caught that yet. His relationship with us is, is built upon and founded upon the revelation of who he is in the Bible. He's given us that Bible. Now, if, if we had no Bible, then we would only be able to go on experiences or somebody else's experiences. And most religions in the world are pretty much made up of somebody else's experience, someone's vision, someone had an angel appear to them. None of that is based on anything that's been revealed by God the Father. Are you catching this? So it's important for us, if we're going to have successful prayer, and, and again, I will go back to this. This is a time in the history of man when the church, who is the only, or I should say, which is the only entity on this planet that can really change things on a supernatural level. If the church does not pray, then the world is going to suffer. When the church prays, things change. When the church prays, Nations change. When the church prays, supernatural assistance comes from heaven to groups of people on the earth. Amen? Amen. So let, let's look at these details here. Let me go start again in verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. I'm going to pray this out. And then give me an opportunity to explain some things. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, O holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Now watch this now. I know at some point in the history of the early church, this was no longer received as a pattern for prayer. It was received as what some translations would call a vain babbling. I grew up in a church. Many of you in here I knew grew up in the same type of church where you can walk in, um, not just when the service or the mass was going on, but at any time and hear a group of individuals our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Blah, 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 blah. Ten minutes later, our Father, who art in heaven. To me, now, don't take this as an insult. To me, that's a slap in the face to God. Because, you see, when you think you have to pray something over 
and over and over and over again, you're insinuating that he's up there in heaven like a mean individual going like this. Say it one more time. I didn't hear you loud enough. Say it 10 more times. Maybe if you say it 11 times, I may do something. Is that our God? Absolutely not. So then if Jesus in the same context said, don't be like the pagans who babble over and over again the same things, why then would he then go ahead and give us a prayer to go ahead and say over and over and over and over and over again? He would have contradicted himself in the context that this teaching is. Are you you getting this? So then what is this, what we call the Our Father, or depending on what denomination you grew up in, the Lord's Prayer, okay? It's a pattern of prayer. It's a method of prayer. It does not require for us to say exactly these words over and over again, but Jesus is saying, follow this pattern when you're gonna pray. So what's the pattern? Acknowledge God, Proverbs chapter three. Acknowledge God that is in heaven. Declare that his name is holy. Declare your intentions that it's not for your agenda to come to pass, but it's for his kingdom to come. Are you getting this? Okay, this might be repetitious for some of us, but for the sake of those of us that might be new to this, your will be done. What is that? I don't have to get my way. What's important here, Father, is not that I get what I want. What's important here is that you get what you want and that someone else benefits from my prayer. It doesn't even have to be me, that someone else would benefit by my prayers. And then here's the the real kicker here. Let me read it to you, verse 10 in context. Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth, as it is where? In heaven. So, So... On earth as it is in heaven tells us our prayers are supposed to change things when we pray in faith and we pray in authority. Change it how? That the things that are here on earth need to line up with the pattern that's in heaven. Okay? So, and and just let me get through this again for the sake of individuals that might be new to this whole thing and Christianity and, and, and to the teaching of the word. Let me ask you this question. Is there sickness in heaven? So then we should be praying that a person's condition here on earth lines up with heaven. Okay? So is there poverty in heaven? So then we should be praying that our financial situation or somebody, a friend of ours, a family member, a coworker, that their financial situation would line up with the condition in heaven. Okay. Um, Is there any type of addiction in heaven? No. No. So then we should be praying for that individual to experience freedom because in heaven there's freedom. Are you you listening? Okay. So so we should never entertain thoughts like, well, I guess maybe so-and-so is going through this situation in their life, physically, physical ailments, disease, whatever, sickness, because either they probably have sin in their life, so maybe God's going to use that to get their attention. No, of course not. Or God's trying to teach them something. 
And so through that disease, now, now I've, heard, I've heard ministers teach this on television. God uses disease to bring glory to himself. Really? Well, then why would he have taken all that disease and put it on Jesus? It doesn't glorify God. So be, be aware of how you're praying. Be aware. Why? Because the enemy will whisper things in our ears and in our hearts and our minds that sound spiritual, but they're biblically inaccurate. And so you and I cannot access a promise from God when we're entertaining a wrong concept about that promise. Okay? Remember, everything, the whole reason we pray is that something on earth would conform to the kingdom of God in heaven. Yes or no? So, it goes on, verse 11, give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and really that should be uh, forgive, us, uh, forgive us for the offenses that we might have caused somebody else or for the way we sinned against somebody else uh, as, we've, as we've been forgiven, okay? And so then lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil one. So basically the pattern for prayer is this. You don't jump into prayer and immediately, God, I need this to be done, I need it to be done right now. No more than you would burst into somebody's house. You would at least knock on the door first. You would at least greet the person. You would at least tell them how valuable they are to you, how much they mean to you. Then you let them know the favor that you need from them. Okay, remember, this is a personal relationship. And a personal relationship should have some aspects of respect. Yes or no? And I know, I know our culture has lost a lot of these qualities, but this Bible is not based on our culture. It's based on God's culture. It's the culture of heaven. And the culture of heaven is filled with honor, respect, dignity, love, compassion. Amen? So here's where I want to go with this teaching. I want to focus in on changing things on earth so that they conform to things in heaven. And right now, there's a lot of things on this earth that need to change and conform to how it is in heaven. Are you listening? Yes. Okay. In every scope and every facet of life, there are things that need to change and conform to the way the kingdom of God operates. Okay, on the political level, I'm not going to get involved in it, but listen, on the political level, in just about, well, I could, I could, I could definitely say, in every form of government on this earth, there are things and components to those systems that do not line up with the kingdom of heaven, and they're not going to until the kingdom of heaven is completely manifested here on the earth when Jesus comes and rules and reigns from Jerusalem and establishes the kingdom of God in the natural. But until that time, it's going to take the prayers of the saints. It's going to take the prayers of Christians who know who they are, who understand how to operate in authority, who knows what the kingdom of God is really like in order for us to hold back those areas and those ungodly systems that affect the gospel being preached on the earth. I don't know about you, that's all I'm concerned about. My concern is that if a, if a system of government or a regulation of government or a policy of government interferes 
with the preaching of the gospel, it has to change. We say, well, that's audacious. Yeah, it is. And Jesus gave me that audacity. He told me to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And so if something has to be, if something's blocking my ability to preach the gospel, my ability to speak the truth, my ability to go to any place on this planet to preach the gospel, then that has to change. The kingdom doesn't change. That form of government changes or that facet in the government changes. Well, pastor, what about the separation of church and state? What about it? Why don't you go find out what the original intention really was? It wasn't to keep the government. It wasn't so that the government could establish its own way of religion. It was to, it was to protect the churches from the government establishing religion. It's not to protect the government from the church. It's to protect the church from the government. It's gotten completely turned around. You listening? All right. So when you have a system of religion that completely removes the freedom of an individual, and especially when it masquerades as a religion, and it's really not a religion, it's just another form of control and manipulation, and that, and that system has spread itself through warfare, through brutality, through complete oppression that eliminates the ability for a person to even have a Bible, then the church needs to pray for that system to collapse. And listen to me, in certain parts of the world, it's collapsing. It's collapsing. Do not be fooled by the smokescreen that is going on right now through the nation of Iran. The nation of Iran is paralyzed. The government there is paralyzed with fear because the nation of Iran is experiencing revival like has been unprecedented since the early church. There are people leaving Islam in Iran in droves. The mosques have been empty for years. The only reason that, that, that Islam is associated with Iran is because of a very small group of gangsters that are running the political system there. Okay? I would venture to say we need to pray because as I posted on Facebook yesterday or last night, the enemy would love nothing more than to disrupt that revival that's taking place in that country by provoking a war. Okay? So we need to pray. Not that we would become timid little individuals and never take any action and never hold a group of individuals accountable for their actions. But we need to be very wise because sooner or later, that government's going to collapse. It's going to fall. And the people of God in that nation are going to rise up and it is going to send shivers through the rest of Islam all over the world. Are you listening to me? So be aware how to pray. Be aware. Do not pray according to the news networks. You pray according to what you're hearing on the inside. And how are you going to pray? On earth as it is in heaven. Okay? Are you listening to me? So, so we're saying our prayers are supposed to change things when we pray in faith and with authority. We pray in faith and with authority. There are some people that have faith, but they don't understand that we're supposed to use our authority. 
And so they, they know how to pray, but the prayers become more passive, more inward, less threatening to who? Not, we don't pray to threaten another human being, but we definitely pray to enforce God's kingdom over and above the kingdom of darkness. Are you listening to me? Because some of you are sitting here looking at me like, I don't know if I even care. Yeah, nobody really cares until it touches their house. Some people don't care until, until they're banging on your door. Some people don't care until the doctor gives you the report that you heard somebody else get a year or two ago. That's when we start caring. People don't care sometimes until all of a sudden their kids are the ones that need the help. Are you listening to me? Do not wait. Pray on the offense so that you never get to the place where you got to pray on the defense. Okay, we are supposed to be proactive. Turn to somebody and say, we should be praying proactively. So, so what do we have authority over? Think about that for a second. Give me a chance to take a drink here. From what stance are we praying? What do we actually have authority over? What has Jesus said? Yeah, I'm, you can pray against that. What, what did he talk about? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the second part of that scripture. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, if we read this in the original language, it would say, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might unravel, that he might paralyze, that he might neutralize the what? The works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Sickness, disease, poverty, oppression, addiction, anything that is contrary to the kingdom of God are the works of the devil. Anything, anything. So the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John writes, for this very purpose was the Son of God manifested that he came from heaven, from the realm of the Spirit, into the realm of the natural for this reason, to undo, to unravel, to paralyze, to neutralize the works of the devil. Prayer is how the church carries out the mission that Jesus started when he came to the earth. Prayer in the church. You listening? You guys have been out of here for too long. You guys, got, you guys got more used to not being here Wednesday night than I did. Wake up. Get out of the slumber. Why? Slumber right now is the worst thing that can happen to the church. Because if the church gets in a slumber, this world is lost. This world is lost. So Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus speaking. Again, what's the subject we're talking about? What do we have authority over? Well, we just found out that Jesus' purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus turned around and gave us the assignment to finish on the earth that he started. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, speaking to the disciples. Behold, I give you the authority, say authority. Authority. To, you don't have to say anything else, to trample on serpents and scorpions 
and over all the power of the enemy. Look at this. So the enemy does have some power. You listening? The enemy does have some power. You don't think the enemy has power? Go to a cancer ward. Go to a psychiatric ward. Go to poverty-stricken areas of this world. And see if you don't think the enemy has some power. But watch this now. Jesus never negates, never denies that the enemy has power. But what he's saying is, the enemy has power, but I've given you authority over that power. So now that, watch this now, because watch, look at the responsibility we have as, as the church. So this power is going to continue to go forward and affect nations and affect families and affect individuals until the church says, oh, wait a second, you might have some power, but I have over your power. Are you catching this? Let me start again. Maybe now we put it in the proper context. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. As serpents and scorpions, he's not talking about natural serpents and scorpions. He's talking about these things represent the devil and demons. He said, I give you authority to trample upon, trample upon, not just go away, serpent. (laughs) Shoo, scorpion. No, you got to trample on them because if you don't, they're going to go from you and go affect somebody else. Behold, they give you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And look at this. Here's the second part of the promise. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I've been in services years and years and years ago where let's say the minister is, 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 is praying for someone who's under the influence of the devil, possessed. And I've had people tell me, oh, don't go in there. Because that thing might get off on them and get on you. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. And I want to turn around and go, come over here. Because this promise says to me, not only do I have authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, the second part is this. While you're dealing with that, nothing's going to hurt you. So many people are scared of the devil. And the fact is he should be afraid of you because you're the only only individual in the universe that he has to listen to when you use the name of Jesus and you speak in faith. And you don't have to yell. It's the authority is in the name. The authority is not in the volume. You listening? So, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. He's going, this is important that the spirits are subject to you. The spirits are subject to you. So that confirms that what he's talking about, serpents and scorpions, are not natural serpents and scorpions. They're demonic entities. He said, don't, you don't have to rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. That's minor stuff. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, we can flip this around and maybe this will clear us up. So I can say it this way. Because our names are written in heaven... The spirits, are sub- the spirits are subject to me. And because my name is written in heaven, I have authority over the power of the enemy. And because my name is written in heaven, nothing shall by any means 
hurt me. Are you catching this? I don't know if you are. Are you catching this? Because if you're catching this, you should have straightened up a little bit by now. You should be right now, because I'm excited right now, and I'm, like, I can go from this and go outside and look for some devil to rip his head off. Because I don't know about you, I'm sick and tired of seeing the devil trample on people when we're supposed to be trampling on him. I'm sick and tired of reading on Facebook that somebody's family member OD'd and they're done, they're gone at 25 years old. I'm tired. I'm, I'm aggravated at finding out that some mom had to leave this planet early and leave four kids behind because cancer ravaged her body. Yet here he tells us that we have, now the enemy has power, yes? Yes. But we have over that power. He cannot do whatever he wants as long as there's a Christian that's praying. It's when the Christians stop praying, when the Christians pray stupid prayers, when a Christian prays in doubt and unbelief, that's when the enemy can sneak behind our lines and wreak havoc. But if, dear God, if we would all get this deep inside of us and not just, yeah, yeah, hallelujah, but we would actually do something about it, we would see things change. The Greek word for authority is exousia. It's made up of two words, ex, which means out of, and eusia, which could be interpreted power to act, deriving from substance. In other words, it's somebody who's got it. It's somebody who knows what they have on the inside. An exousia. I'm going to operate an exousia against the enemy. Why? Because now, based on this knowledge of this scripture, I got something in here that I know there's something in here. There's something that's been deposited in me. There is a, a faith. There is a power. There is a, a, a sense of uh, a delegated authority. Now, now, watch this now. Let's go back to the beginning. You see, because this didn't happen. In other words, this isn't new on the scene when Jesus spoke it. Because, you know, Jesus came to undo what, what Adam did, Right? Yes or no? Paul says the second Adam had to come to fix what the first Adam destroyed. Okay. So now let me ask you this question. If Adam would have walked in the knowledge of this principle, which God revealed to him, he said, I built your garden. I made your garden. Everything's in it that you're going to need, but you're going to have to tend it and you're going to have to keep it. Against what? What's the first thing that showed up? Now, I'm not judging Adam. We might have done the same thing if we were there. But if he had operated in this principle, wow, would things have been different? So, so I can say this, and the reason I bring this up is not to shame Adam, but it's to, to make us aware of this has been God's will from the beginning. You listening? This isn't something that Jesus just introduced for the first time. Now, when they heard it, because they had forgotten it, because it had been so lost to the, to the, to the um, um, what's that word I want to use? Uh, what is it when everybody has the same kind of mindset? What do you call that? What is it? Well, what, it doesn't matter. 
it was so lost to, to man's knowledge of God that nobody even thought about doing this. Think about this, okay? Again, not, I'm not going to throw Noah under the bus, or we should say under the boat. <laughs> but, now, but now, watch this now. Noah lived in an age that was so degenerate, so much violence, so much filth, so much immorality, God has to come and wipe off the plant and get it clean again. But you see, where did that come from? Where did it originate from? Serpents and scorpions. So Noah, it says, was a righteous man, right? Yes? yes? So a righteous man then would have had the same authority that Jesus now wanted to revive and, and reinstitute into his disciples. But was not Noah a disciple of God? Yes, of course. Was not Abraham a disciple of God? Yeah, of course. Now, it seems like if you study biblical history chronologically, the only one that caught on to this was Daniel. That's a long time. The only person we see doing spiritual battle in the Old Testament that I can think of is Daniel. He prayed and he had a, a sense, a knowing I'm praying here, but this is different. I'm in a different battle than I usually been in. And then eventually, an angel shows up and shows him, while you were praying, this is what's been going on behind the scenes. And let me tell you something. The same things he was praying against back then are the same things that you and I pray against now. Why? Because you know what he was praying against? The prince of Persia. Do you know where Persia is? God was showing him back then, this is how you pray. These are the forces you need to take authority over. This is the battle that you need to wage. Now, Jesus comes on the scene, okay? And he not only gives us the assignment, but he gives us the authority now as a born-again believer with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. So what's the difference with that, Pastor? Well, here's the difference. I don't have to wait for an angel to show up and tell me. I don't have to wait for a prophet to come and tell me. I don't have to wait for anybody else to come and tell me, this is what you're dealing with. This is what you're praying against. This is the area I want you to pray. This is who I want you to pray for. This is the event that I want you to stop. No, no, we don't have to wait for somebody to come and tell us. I don't have to sit in front of the news on television and go, okay, let me make a list. I'm going to pray against this. Because half the time, it's fake anyway. Excuse me, let me reword that. 99% of the time, it's fake anyway, and I'm not going to waste time praying against something that doesn't exist. Let me give you an illustration. You might have heard me tell this story. Years and years ago, my wife was was pregnant with um, David. Yeah, we were living in Seaside. Yeah, Mark was already born, so it was David. She's pregnant with David. I'm still in the restaurant business here in town. She calls me up. It was the middle of the week, so we were closing the place earlier. She calls me up, she goes, I don't know what's going on. I got some really bad cramps, really bad pains, really bad. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, man, I better get home quick. So I, I lock up the restaurant real fast, jump in my van. Now, from the, the, the restaurant was on the other side of Bricktown. We lived in Seaside Park. It's about a good 30-minute ride, okay? 
especially if it's summertime, might even be longer. I, as soon as I get in the van, start cursing devils, start binding spirits, start commanding the enemy to take his hands off my wife, take his hands off the baby. And I'm praying, I'm praying in tongues at about 1,000 miles a, a, a minute. And, and, and that lasted from there to Seaside Park. I walk upstairs in the house and how you feel? She goes, I'm better now. I think it was just gas. <laughs> so now watch. I immediately start laughing because I'm thinking, all I could imagine in the spirit realm is these demons going, what, what, what? I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything. You see what I'm praying? So we want to know that we're going to pray accurately. We want to know that we're not spending 35 minutes praying in the spirit because somebody got gas. Now, we got the Holy Ghost in us. So you know, you should know, you should, if you're watching television and some report comes up and on the inside you're going, nah, something's not right here. But the average American, oh, oh, I guess that's what's going on. <laughs> and listen, the, 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 I don't want to say average, but the Christian that has no discernment, that has not learned how to, how, to, how to hear from the Holy Ghost on the inside, will go, oh, I guess that's what's going on. And the devil goes, don't worry about them. Behold, they give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Giving us power. John chapter 1, verse 12. I want to read from the Amplified Bible. But as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the what? Authority. Look at power, privilege, right to become children of God. That is, those who believe and hear to, trust it, and rely on his name. Authority. If you believe, watch this now, because we're about authority, right? So watch this now. This scripture tells me that when I declare with my mouth my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it gives me authority to declare I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Why is that important? How many times have you maybe declared to someone or told a family member right after you got born again, hey, I'm born again, I'm a born again Christian, now I'm going to church and reading the Bible, and they go, you? You? Last week, you were in the bar. You, you, I remember six months ago, I had to come and bail you out. That, what happens then? What happens? See, now, you, watch this now. If you let that settle in you, and you don't realize that you have authority to proclaim, oh, yeah, maybe I was in the bar last week. Maybe you had to bail me out six months ago. But guess what? That person died. This one is alive right now. Well, who do you think you are? I have authority, according to 1 John, excuse me, according to the Gospel of John, Chapter 1, verse 12 tells me, because I believe in him, I have the authority to declare I am a child of God. Amen. And with, the, with that status of a child of God, I have authority over the works of darkness. Now, watch this now. It's those same ones that go, who, you? I remember you when, that are going to come to you when all disaster breaks out in their house and say to you, listen, would you pray for me? Would you? And, of course, we're not going to say, who, me? You see in this? 
But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority to become the children of God. Now, yeah, maybe I should clear this up. All right. There's a philosophy in the world. Well, we're all children of God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some people mad tonight. Uh, let me ask you this question. Are we all creatures of God? Yes. yes. But according to the scriptures, every creature of God is not a child of God. Just because you're born into this world does not make you a child of God. It makes you a creation of God. What makes you a child of God is that scripture, John chapter 1, verse 12. Have you declared that he is your Lord? Have you put your trust in him? Then that took you from being a creation of God to being a child of God. Because just being a creation of God doesn't automatically give you rights and privileges. But becoming a child of God gives you rights, privileges, authority, power, delegated authority, and the right to declare, I'm going to heaven when I take my last breath. You listening? So this general concept of authority is very much like a policeman. A policeman's been given authority by the local government to enforce laws. He wears a badge, a uniform. That is an outward sign that this is a person who's been authorized by the local government to enforce the laws of that city, that state, the government. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So when we see that uniform and badge, we recognize he has certain rights to act as he does, especially if you realize you're paying this guy to protect you. So why would you want to fight against, argue with, disrespect the person that you paid to make sure somebody doesn't bust in your house, kill you, rob your stuff, take your kids, rob your car? Okay? So we understand that the full force of the government will back him up if he's challenged. But that's not really power. The power would be represented by the gun that he carries and his ability to, force, to enforce the law and bring consequences when something or someone does not line up with the local laws that have been agreed on by the people that it represents. We can choose to not respect his authority and come against him, but he's been given a weapon or power to enforce that authority. We have authority. We do not have power ourselves. The power is in the name of Jesus. The power is enforcing what God has already declared in his word, that this is how my kingdom should operate. You catching this? So we've been given authority, but he's also delegated to us the availability of using the power of his name. Now, he tells us over and over again, Old Testament, New Testament, that we're not supposed to use that power in vain. We're not supposed to use his name in vain. It's not supposed to become a curse word. I, 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 it, is, it is supposed to be used with respect and honor because when we really understand and fully realize that when we release the name of Jesus, that it's releasing power, just like when that policeman has to pull the trigger, he's releasing a bullet that's going to have consequences. 
You catching this? So it's not like there's anything special about you. It is the fact of who you belong to, the authority that's been given unto you. But you have to have faith that when you speak that name, it's almost like when you have to have faith that when you pull that trigger, a bullet is going to come out of that gun. You have to maintain your faith that when you release power, excuse me, when you release the name of Jesus, you are releasing power. So please make sure that you have honor and respect for that thing and do not just flippantly just, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You are, you are releasing the power of God's promises. Because the Bible tells us in the New Testament that all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes and they are amen. amen. So understand the power that you have. Understand the responsibility that you have. And why is this important? Because it would, it would, we could almost consider it being dishonoring if we just tack on the name of Jesus to anything. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, the most obvious illustration I can give you is, let's say you're married, and marriage is not going too good. And you see down the street, a new divorcee just moved in. And you get it in your head, well, I want to get rid of this one and get that one. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, because you say, oh, nobody be that stupid to pray. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Literally, I've had to deal with, Pastor, I need you to pray with me, because I know my marriage is over with and done, but, but you're still married. And, and I really believe that God has shown me who my real wife is. So I want you to pray with me. And, and the expectation is that I'm going to pray and then go, in Jesus' name. Are you catching this? That would be equal to using the Lord's name in vain. Because you are attaching that power that was purchased with a great price on the cross and misusing it because you're too lazy to go and find out what is the real will of God. What has he already revealed to me in his word? Because that promise I can get behind. And when I attach in the name of Jesus to that promise, it's going to change something. Amen? Amen. So listen, I got to stop. You're going to come back next week? Okay, good. But understand this, not only do we have a responsibility to pray, we have an obligation to pray. Now, many times, it just happened yesterday, I posted something I thought was of great importance, and I got a slew of amen, 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 amen. When you and I just type amen on a post, that's not prayer. Sometimes I want to reply, did you really pray or did you just put amen? Look how quiet it got. <laughs> Look how quiet it got. Let's make a promise to each other tonight. Let's make a promise that when we say we're going to pray for somebody, that we actually do it. 
I try to keep myself to that, like, uh, and, and, and unless, unless something's really pressing, when somebody comes in and says to me, you know, can, can we pray together or can you pray for me this and that? And if it happens to you, remind me. Say, no, Pastor, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Because what's going to happen is we get busy and we forget about it. And so then we, we pacified our mind because we posted amen. So we pacified our souls. Yeah, I'm in line with him. Okay, and, and this is the other one. I'm in agreement with you, Pastor. But did you pray? Because you just, be, I don't need you to be in agreement with me that you think it's a good idea. I need you to actually say, Pastor, I am in agreement with you according to such and such a scripture and this scripture and that scripture, Pastor. My faith is joined together with you. I agree in Jesus' name that this is going to come to pass. You don't need, and I don't need, oh, I'm in agreement with you. No, no, I, what are you in agreement with? For? How do I even know you even heard what I, what I said? I tell this story all the time. When I first got born again, I'll finish after this because I realize I'm, I'm, I'm over time here. I was maybe six months in the Lord, and I was going to a Bible study class. There was a bunch of people there. The pastor came in, and... Uh, in fact, if Pastor Joy was here tonight, he would remember this because he was there this night. And so about three or four guys got together and they were going to pray in agreement with the pastor. So they come and ask me, uh, Joe, why don't you come and pray with us? I don't know. I don't know anything about this. So I come into this circle because, you know, Christians, if you don't pray in a circle, it's not legal. Okay. <laughs> and so now they're going to pray. Watch this now. They're going to pray for the pastor to get his own airplane. There's 200 people in the church. I'm standing there going, what does this guy need an airplane for? Where's he going to go? So, they're, they're, and they're going on and on, and we're praying in agreement. I'm like, I'm not in agreement. Because <laughs> this guy doesn't need an airplane. Not for maybe another 10 years, you know? So, so, so now you could say, well, he didn't get the airplane because you were in there. And you weren't in agreement. Now, I doubt very much if everybody else was too. They were just trying to be the Christian polite. Yes, yeah, Pastor, we're believing with you. No, you're not. No, you're not. You see what I'm saying? Maybe we'll cover that, the prayer of agreement. That's important, very important, because most Christians don't have a clue. And you see, that's why the devil comes to break up relationships and marriages, because that's the strongest form of agreement. When a husband and wife gets together to pray about a situation, man, the devil hates that because you see the two have become one. Yeah. And even in business partnerships, that's that, why, because that's a covenant relationship. The devil hates that. So he'll come and bring strife in, in those relationships and friendships. Friendships are covenant relationships. Okay, so the enemy comes and tries to bring strife and division, all kinds of evil stuff like that. Why? He's not after your friendship. He's after the prayers that you might pray together that would be effective. Why? Because they're based on covenant. You catching this? Yes. Stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you will start to stir things up in us, Father, that from this night forward, we'll become hungry and desperate to learn how to pray and to pray properly. But Father, even more than that, that, you would, that each one of us would, would, would be so hungry and thirsty to learn about the authority that you have placed in us that you have delegated to us, that you're holding us responsible to bring to pass and to accomplish. And so, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit, 
from this night forward, we'll begin to reveal the principles of prayer, reveal Jesus to us and what it cost him to give us the ability to be able to pray and to enforce upon this earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for tonight, Father. Thank you for every individual that's come out here tonight. Father, I pray blessing upon every household, Lord God. Father, whatever they need, whatever their need is, whether it's emotional, if it's physical, if it's spiritual, if it's financial, Father, we trust you, God, to supply those needs in every one of our lives. Thank you for bringing us together tonight. Thank you for the power and the anointing that's on your word. We bless you tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, come on up. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.